I'm sitting in the subway station Manhattan is my destination Each day I live is much the same And I think what can I gain Living in this endless game bound I wish I was Homeward bound Home to Yerusha lying Home where my heart is lying Home where my destiny waits silently Welcome back to another great edition of Homeward Bound here on the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Egal Siegel, and our program is sponsored by the great people at Nefesh Benefesh. NBN.org.il for all the information you need about, about making Aliyah. And this show is about making Aliyah. It's here to inform and inspire you to make that big move. To be Homeward Bound. And any information you need about making Aliyah is here on Homeward Bound at the Nachum Siegel Network. And we'll be back with the rest of our show and some really interesting information about making Aliyah right after these messages. If you've always dreamt of moving to Israel and establishing a brand new life in the Holy Land, it's time to call Nefesh Benefesh, 866-4-ALIYAH, 866, the number 4 a-L-I-Y-A-H, or log on now to their comprehensive website for all the assistance you need to get to Israel, nbn.org.il. That's the Nefesh Benefesh website. Head there now, nbn.org.il. Okay, we're back now with uh, Homeward Bound here at the Nahum Siegel Network. My name is Egal Siegel. I'm here with Mark Rosenberg, who's the director of Pre Aliyah for Nefesh Benefesh. Mark, welcome back to the program. Thank you very much. Good to see you. We uh, we just conducted an interview with uh, Melissa Bienenfeld of the Nefesh Benefesh staff of the Employment Department. We talked about just a single life here in Israel, um, uh, the process that that brought her here, especially after college. Uh, we we have spoken to to uh, people like Hillel Davis, who are going to Bar Ilan University now, who made Aliyah specifically to go to university here. We've spoken to a few different uh, types of singles. Uh, of course, we've spoken to uh, Nira Lee, who made Aliyah and then joined the army, and of course is a Bonetzion prize winner. Um, Mark, the, the question I have for you is that, especially since I know since I made Aliyah around nine years ago, we've seen a trend, I think it's a trend, of increasing amounts of si- singles uh from I guess eighteen to 30. twenty-five, thirty, who are uh, who are making aliyah today. The question is, why, in your in your opinion, is that happening in the last uh, in the last uh, let's say ten years or so? It's a great question you asked. It's something that we're uh, thinking about a lot and seeing a lot in a lot a lot of comments in our essays that we're reading for people who are applying for aliyah. I think there is just uh, again. This is, I think, my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I would love to continue uh, a statistical study to see the commonality of it. But a lot of the people that are coming are coming because of quality of life, and I think that Israel has just really developed so much in the past ten years. Right. Um, 
and it's become much more accessible. And uh, you know, air travel and the internet and it has brought a closeness to Israel. Another factor is you know birthright. Uh, birthright has brought, brought over three hundred thousand young people to Israel. Um, the government launched Masa, which is a program for people to come and spend gap year programs or at post college. And I always like to use this anecdote. Uh, came to spend a year in Israel, um, and he remembers that they took all the Americans, the boys and the girls that were studying here, and they put them there for a Hanukkah party, and they fit on one bus to celebrate. Okay, <laughs> and if you take the different yeshivot here, and yeshivot right. won't fit on one bus. And you, you, no, of course you not. You take Young Judea Year Course, you know, a, a more pluralistic program, they won't fit onto one bus. So you have thousands of young people who are spending the year here when they're eighteen and nineteen, or post college coming back to study when they're twenty through twenty four. Israel's having an impact on it that's causing them to. Uh, get excited about it. Get excited about the possibility of life here, and not from a Israel's wonderful or you know this Zionist idea. But they've tasted the life here. They've you know uh, they've enjoyed it, and they actually see themselves here, and then then put the roots down. So I think that is a huge part of it. And then uh, what I was mentioned that Israel has developed because you know those of you who haven't visited Israel in a long time, you know we have Wi-Fi and customer services actually coming to some industries here. <laughs> um, but it's really progressed. I mean, I'm looking out the window here in Jerusalem. It's just that the city has grown so much in volume when it comes right. to the infrastructure. And the, and I'm not the, the, tra- the trains and the buses were always very good here. But we're talking about just the, the the processing and the services that people get. So people are able to telecommute to their jobs or they're able to you know, cross industries and be able to hunt for their jobs while they're in, you know, the comforts of New York or L.A. or Toronto, wherever they are. So they're able to step through the door here. The final factor has to be said is uh, with quality of life and opportunities is really about the social aspects. Right. Uh, you have a concentration of, of Jewish young people here, um, and it's lively, and it's not a subculture. It's not something that you know, you're know you going to have to check certain Jewish websites to find out where the parties are. This is what's written out in the newspapers. It's, it's just part of the conversation. It's the majority culture here, so it's just much more exciting, and it's easier for people to integrate than it was ever before. Yeah, one Whereas, of the things that I'm sorry to interrupt, but one of the things that Melissa spoke about was that uh, – Social networking, mm-hmm. Facebook, etc., um, was a big part of her ability to make Aliyah much easier in terms of finding a place to live or finding friends or find. You know, she she had constant communication with people who were on the ground here mm-hmm. who were looking for jobs and. Um, you know, she when she came, she joined an Olpan right away, and she had all the information readily available, not just because of Nefesh, but also because um, people who are her peers, she was able to communicate with them instantly through Facebook and through other uh, social media. So that's also a good, big part of it. Israelis love the social networks. Uh, they right. love it's, it's very helpful for uh, LinkedIn for finding jobs, but also Facebook is very popular here, uh, and people are, are always willing to help and give you advice. Sometimes unsolicited. Here, <laughs> I have a good few stories about uh, pushing pushing my carriage down the street, and Israelis coming up and giving me unsolicited parenting advice. Um, but I, I think it's it's worth noting that maybe I think the North American Jewish community is also becoming more Israeli. I th- by that I mean it was a very narrow path that you were on. You know, you went to school and then you, you know you went, maybe went to college and then became find you spend a year in Israel mm-hmm. and you had to get a job and then settle down to do it. Um, Israelis are okay. You're 18. You got to do the army, most of them, and then you come in and then they take a year off to travel and then they do their degree and some of them get married while they're still in the army and, and there's a much more like widening a scope of adventure and exploration 
exploring life opportunities along the way because Israel's very focused on the quality of life. And and I think that American Jews, in my experience, I know American more than Canada, have also said, fine, spend two years in Israel, or, you know, fine, you know, start your degree later on, or, you know, come, there, there's an openness to, to coming and exploring rather than be rigid to the, the, the professional path you're going to be on. And I just want to make a point, yeah. is that I think it's actually very positive because not everyone is ready to go to college, or not everyone knows that they want to do. And Israel is a great laboratory for people to sort of explore that identity because, you know, the, the Jewish culture that is here. Um, and it's just focused on, you know, skills and opportunities, and it, it's it's a comfortable place for people to do it. And I think that, that I call it Israeliness, has opened up more and more people to say, okay, I, I, I could fit into Israel, even though I don't have perfect Hebrew. Do you, do you feel that that's something that starts already in, in high school? Is that something that, that in, in the American... In the American culture now, in terms of the of the Jewish community, do we see um, in your travels and your discussions with people? Do you see um, more and more emphasis on the Aliyah movement in, in formal education? I mean, obviously, you have Bnei Akiva, and you have the 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 informal or, or the parents pushing it, or whatever. You know, is it is because I'll tell you why I'm asking that question because. Um, when I went to high school over 30 years ago, I graduated, and my the, the head of my high school was Rabbi Shlomo Riskin. And I can tell you that uh, even though our high school doesn't exist anymore, I would say, I don't know what the percentages are, but a very large percentage of the people who went through Rabbi Riskin's high school now live in Israel. And there's no question, that, you know, even with the influence of my parents and everything about our love for Israel that was developed, but if I would not have gone to that high school, I'm not sure if I would have developed that strong inclination that years later... Uh, when I was over 40, I made Aliyah with my family. So the, the, the question is, you see now, I mean, it, it's a phenomenon which is fascinating to me that kids who are coming out of high school are immediately making Aliyah to join the army, not just because of birthright, not just because of all the things you mentioned, but people who, um, you know, normally they would come to Israel, they would go to yeshiva, they would go to a seminary, but people are making that move um, right after high school. The question is, um, where is that coming from, you think? I guess this is going to be the controversial part uh, part of your uh, broadcast here. So I have a lot of things to say that I hope I get to keep my job afterwards. Um, I don't think that they are get, I don't think again. I'm generalizing here, so please put that caveat. And my experience is I, I do travel six times six times a year to North America, and I really try to speak to lots of people. So it's my anecdotal experience. I don't see a, an overall movement about using the I-N word, the, the, the big A, Aliyah, in schools. Um, is There's a strong support of Israel, um, and it's easier than ever to make Aliyah because of Nefesh Benefesh and just the resources we have put out there and the messaging. Right. And just like we have made, it, it, it has become that people are thinking, oh, should I move to Cleveland or should I move to you know Silver Spring or should I move to Modi'in? It's become main, mainstream for families to you know weigh the opportunity. So for single people, it's like, okay, should I go to Tel Aviv? Should I go to LA? You know, what 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 are my options? Should I go to Jerusalem or New York? No, Israel is so becoming another it's, option. It's become in that an option thing. for them. I think that you see the young people who are. are let me say it this way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Malcolm Gladwell has this, you know, best-selling book. I mean, they're printing money every time he puts out a book called Outliers. And I, that theory is that you know, it's, certain people have this genius that they're just outside the framework of society, and they have this idea, and they think differently, and that's why they do very well. I think people who make Aliyah are outliers. I'm not talking to outsiders to the community. They just have a different ingredient in their DNA and their social identity that causes them willing to pick up their roots and move across. And I think it's easier for single people to do it because they don't have to worry about what am I doing with a refrigerator, or my kids' daycare, and all those things along 
along the way. So I think that people are, are digesting the message, whether it's in B'nai Akiva, whether it's in their day school or Hebrew school, that Israel is an opportunity for them, but it's not in the large numbers that, you know, Am Yisrael and Benefesh would love to see and welcome into Israel. No, there's no question about but that. But I think that... Um, those, those there have been those influencers like Rabbi Riskin and, and a lot of thinkers out there that have have been uh, role models and voices to do it. But I think that if if you have not yet heard uh, my my boss, uh, my wonderful boss's speech at uh, the Yeshiva University commencement last year, the anniversary uh, the commencement was just I think a day or so ago. Um, he he a brilliant speech about it, and he concluded by saying, you know, for some of you, you don't have to live in Israel, but you have to live Israel. You have, right. to, you have to have that feeling and. I have to say, I identified with that with sadness that some of these people are not going to make the move to live in Israel, but to, to live Israel, to feel that, to have that feeling that it's really in you and it's a spark, it's it's a fire. Then you understand that what draws you to talk to your children about this is going to be a place that you're going to have the opportunity for you. Right, but I mean, I think this discussion might be, um, you know, we're on the same page, but we're looking at either glass full, glass empty. You know, half glass full, half glass. I'm empty. full. You're empty. <laughs> No, I was going to say the opposite, because I think, my opinion is, that I've seen, in terms of my experience, the trend of, of, of the younger... Now, let, let's take, Logically, it makes sense that if you're going to make Aliyah, you should make Aliyah as a young single. For everything that you mentioned, starting off here, starting a family here, uh, starting your kids off here, I know as someone who made Aliyah with older children, obviously there are obstacles that we had to overcome that someone who makes Aliyah when they're in their 20s or 30s and they're starting their family here or they you know, or they just started their family in America and they make Aliyah, it makes a lot more sense in terms of, um, of, of, of taking that, making that leap at a younger age. However, what I was asking specifically about was what I believe is a, a positive trend. There's no question we're not where we want to be. But there's no question that you see people who 15, 20 years ago were, n- were not even thinking in terms of Aliyah that the, that a kid who's going to a, a, a typical uh, either modern Orthodox high school in New York or New Jersey or one of these areas is, is, is considering Aliyah for army purposes or other purposes at an age which I don't think uh, it was being dealt with. And there's, there's no question in the last 30 years that most of the kids were going to a modern Orthodox uh, yeshiva high school or a uh, girls' school or a mixed school would spend time in Israel for some, to, you know, to some extent after high school. But to actually think in terms of making that move, I think there's a lot more people doing it now than there were 15, 20 years ago. I agree with you, Gal Siegel. And I ah, think, I think that's it, where I thought we were. <laughs> I, you, you got it out of me. But I think it's important to say is that. This is not part of the mainstream conversation. Now, you won't see it in the Federation newspapers in the communities, and you won't see it necessarily. In, there's, there's nowhere that the, in the Jewish Week they're not having this, in the New York Jewish Week. Mm-hmm. They're having this conversation. They're not having the conversation that people are graduating from law school th- in the past few years and not finding jobs, which was the guarantee. Oh, you could always go to law school, and then you might, you might go investment banking and things like that along the way. So people are on this. I call it this. You know, the ski path, uh, the ski lift. The ski lift. Okay, right. this is the path I'm on. I'm going to spend my year in Israel. I'm going to go back. I'm going to get. A, I'm going to get a BA. I'm going to get an master's degree or a JD and then I'm going to get a job and I'm settled down and I move to X town and I'll, right. I'll be a good person I'll be funny I'll be nice I'll be give tzedakah all those wonderful hopefully be funny you know, yeah. all those, all, <laughs> that's one of my values obviously <laughs> um, is that that's the path that they're on right um, and that's why I mean about outliers people are willing to get off the ski lift okay we have two kids my kids getting to first grade let's do it even though I might struggle a little bit but I want to put my kids into right. the system before right. they're along the way but what I th- what the, the narrative the conversation this is a vi- this is a viable 
story that is being told. It is a trend for sure, and I, we'll hopefully get the statistics at the end of the summer to talk about how many people have this commonality and be able to make that part of the story. But the mainstream communities are, are afraid of having this conversation. We are raising our kids so that they will live in Israel. That's not that's not the conversation that is being had in the scenarios. How to raise Correct. your kids Correct. so they're going to move to Israel. They are trying to raise their kids so they live nearby and can have the, have the experience with their uh, grandchildren and things like that. Um, they are really trying to um, preserve the status quo. Right. And that's wonderful. It's a beautiful status quo. But we are really, um, ex- we are really here facilitating a, 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 not just a wonderful option in Israel, but you have this whole other layer of what happens to Am Yisrael, and what happens to what you're actually reading in the Tanakh, in the Parsha Shavuot, in your Tefillot, that is a level, this is something, a greater part of the story. And it's not a fiction. It's not like we're, we're having, the, this is the radio show in Berlin or in Morocco. Right, and right. One day we'll be able to return to our land. There's a project that is going on here. And it just, it, when when you reflect on where Erev Yom Yushalayim here, and you reflect the fact that, um, you know, 67 years ago, only two and a half million Jews were living in Israel. Okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. And six million Jews living in the United States, and right. now six years later, six and a half million Jews are living in Israel. And it's just about six and a half million Jews living in the United States of America. Right. Obviously, that is a dramatic change, and to see, and to see that there is a greater or steady, let's use the word steady, uh, stream of North American Jews coming is fantastic. But the competing narrative. That is out there is oh, you have to be a good person and build your communities to perpetuate it. Right. Is 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 part of is is part of this uh, tension that is there. It's a healthy tension, but I don't think that um, it is being had. We're not there yet. That's what you're saying. Basically, yes. we're not. There I, yet. Listen, th- th- there's a have, you can have it in historical terms. Uh, there's obviously a terrible uh, attack in Belgium. Right. What what are you supposed to do about these communities and small Jewish, small communities? Are you supposed to collapse the synagogue, or is, or is the point to to preserve? Now, to preserve these communities forever. It's just interesting. I heard someone say about a Chabad rabbi is a Chabad a, a Chabad shita allegedly. They told me is to never close down a community. Right. Okay. They'll they'll just have someone there and they'll they'll push it along. Whether there's two people, two or, people right. or fifty, they'll conti- they'll continue to keep it going along. Or do we say that no kibbutz galiot? This is an opportunity. We have to sort of get these people to come by choice or or, or persuasion that eventually it's going to see that European Jewish communities are going to shrink so much because of the anti-Semitism that eventually they're going to displace and choose other places. Right. To go. I mean. And this is history. History has uh, has has shown us over over many many centuries that we never. Uh, uh, I think it's Rebecca Wine who says that there's no such thing as a Jewish exile that ends that ends well. Uh, you know, there's usually there's usually some sort of reason why we're pushed out of some to redeem myself of all my critical and controversial comments. <laughs> I think that we have, must recognize that the United States and Canada, in this case, are unique examples because they are societies that have not been founded um, on, uh, with a background of anti-Semitism. And there's it's such a, such an age of reason. I heard you uh, will go rabbi for rabbi. I heard a great cheer <laughs> by uh, Raviol Benun, um, oh, who sure. is a phenomenal Tanakh scholar, and he and he is the um, subject of this new popular book that a lot of people. Are reading called Like Dreamers by Yossi Klein Halevi. He's one of the central figures there. He was a paratrooper during the Six-Day War who liberated the Kotel. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was saying that he, he was flying to America and he realized this whole argument that finally they found Uganda. 
if you understand what was the debate about whether oh, whether the Zionist Herzl, Congress right. Herzl's should they should they establish a Jewish homeland in Uganda because for Herzl the biggest threat to the Jewish people uh, the, the biggest problem was they needed a safe haven right they needed to get, flee from anti-Semitism he he wrote he, he foresees the Holocaust happening so for him okay I'll take obviously Eretz Israel is nice but I'll take a safe haven in Uganda and it was heavily debated it is brilliant and he even notes goes on to note how even Herzl finally re- realized that the greater idea of Eretz Israel is more important than Uganda. But he's Ravi Obanun is landing landing in uh, America and uh, presumably looking at you know beautiful Manhattan and says this is Uganda it's the safe haven the safe haven. they have found that place so they're not looking right, there has been no other country like that not in looking, history but but they're not looking for what 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 Achad Am and Rav Cook and all the other Jewish thinkers of that period of time who said the problem is that the Jewish people have lost their focus the biggest they're disconnected from their land and and decide to go back and, and cause a, a spiritual rebirth not just a safe haven. And that's, I mean, I, I don't want to give you a Zionist lesson here, but Achada Am, you know, go, go against Herzl's more secular culture. Achada Am, Asher Ginsburg stands up to Congress and said, you're wrong. We need a cultural center in the land of Israel to inspire the Jewish people, mm-hmm. which is the same message Rav Cook is saying, but in religious terms. Right. And you can't have, you can't have this rebirth without a Hebrew university, without yeshivas, without people coming on birthright for 10 days and leaving sparked up on the Jewish life. Right. And most Secular Israelis are actually a cultural Zionist. They believe in this idea that there's a cultural, religious, whatever you want to call it, rebirth in the land of Israel, as opposed to just a safe haven for the Jewish people. And we must also say it's sometimes not so safe here. Um, <laughs> but Uganda, and he's like, it's there. And that's when he mentioned the statistics that when he was a child, he mentioned two and a half million Jews in Israel. And look, it's, 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 we're now going to be the largest Jewish community in the world for the first time in 2,000 years. Right, right. So, Halavai that this is a part of the mainstream story. I understand why it's not, because it's, uh, it's uncomfortable questions for people. But it's reflective in the six. Uh, I get some statistics. I may have mentioned this on previous shows with you, Yigal. That 65 percent of the singles between the ages of eighteen and thirty that are coming define themselves as anything but orthodox. Right. Okay. That means traditional and conservadox and conservative reform, just Jewish, whatever denominations. They are coming because there's a spark of life here that is attracting them. Um, whether it's the social life, the people, the chances of meeting someone, the job potential, becoming a high tech millionaire, like with ways and other things. Right. Um, but there's something that is a, a, a growth engine here for Jewish life that can't be uh, of comparison. Right, they're not moving to Japan or China or other places which might have uh, opportunities for them. They're coming here. They're coming. They feel. They definitely feel a connection to a homeland here. There's no question about it. It is, but I, I think if it was just the homeland issue, then you would see a lot more B'nai Akiva people here. I'm sorry, the, the controversial oh lines are jumping out of here. Unbelievable. B'nai Akiva pre- <laughs> preaches Aliyah. No, but again, again. It's, it's not just about to, the history in the homeland. It yeah, has to be in about— But defense of B'nai Akiva and all these organizations that are, that are Zionistic in nature, there's definitely an uptick in terms of the percentages. Okay. You would agree. I would now, agree. Uh, I would agree with you 100% that it's not enough, okay, and we need to do more because— that, look, as my brother Nachman says all the time, the future of the Jewish people is in the state of Israel, meaning that if we're going to have a people and, a, and continue to have a people, then we need to have, as you say, not a safe haven, but a homeland. And I think that uh, another thing that we've seen over the years are parents of children who make Aliyah. I think most of the reaction, let's say 20, 30 years ago, is, why are you going to Israel? Why are you going to Israel? And now there's a sense of pride. There's a sense of, oh, you know, my education or my even though I myself might not be going, but the fact that my kids are going is a, is a source of pride to these parents as opposed to a source of, oh my gosh, when am I going to see my grandchildren again? Which, you know, obviously is a, 
is is a natural thing. But it's I think, a reality. But look, I, I, I I agree with you. I think uh, to 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 make nice with Bnei Akiva, I'll say that yes, <laughs> significant significant populations come from from from, these, from these audiences. Um, I, it just I say it from a raton that you know we we're able to actualize it. But it's not just enough to have that you know the flag. You have to you have to want the, to to explore your potential here. And I think that's the ikar, the essence of the work that Nefesh Benefesh does is to make make sure that people actually can. Be successful here, not just be here. Be successful. Be successful here. Here. I say, you, you, you know, I, the terrible joke is if you, you know, how to make, how to make a million in Israel, you know, bring two million. Bring two million. Is yeah. that it's not about making a lot a lot of money when you come here. It's about making enough money. And and when when you have a sense that wow, I can make enough to money to live on the, the standard of living that I want. Wow, is it worth giving up Costco and you know customer service and Sundays and you know Memorial yeah, Day? But we're weekend. moving as you mentioned before. We're definitely moving in the direction of Costco and Sundays and customer service. We are. We have two <laughs> IKEAs. I, no. I, I mean, customer no service, it is, uh, it is remarkable. Customer service also is, uh, is definitely moving in the right direction. But as I tell people, I mean, look, there's no question that uh, it would be very nice that uh, hundreds of thousands of North Americans would all of a sudden wake up and say, okay, I want to make Aliyah. But there's one thing which people have to realize, that it's not easy. It's not easy to live here because of the... Uh, the stereotypical dealings with Israelis, etc., problems. But if you don't really want to be here, it's going to be very difficult for you. And it's because it's difficult even when you really want to be here. I protest. Ah, I, Mark I pro- Rosenberg protests. I protest. This is a shocker, I prote- my dear audience. I protest to say <laughs> that I would ask the I would ask the people in the audience listening today to ask how easy is their life right now. Now you can hide behind Sundays, okay, right. because it makes things easier when you have less of a pressure and to be able to do it. The pressures of earning X amount of money so your kids can get private education, mm-hmm. okay? That is a pressure that sometimes you forget about Major or, or, pressure. or that you have to give up X time at home to be able to so, – so you'll be able to maybe see their kids before you're going to go to sleep because you have to, you have to progress. You have to earn that income for X period of time. Right. Your pressures of making sure you keep your job because health care is not a guarantee, whereas in Israel, again, health care, regardless you switch jobs, it's the same thing you pay into. Correct. So it is hard here. I'm not hiding behind and say it's easy in Rosie's case, but I think sometimes Sometimes people forget about those external pressures that come on, and I think if I, if I, again, maybe I'm just this is a venting session, and I really hope I get to keep my job after this, is that it is, uh, <laughs> it is living in Israel, and I, I, I want people to hear this is that you, you're living a Jewish life seven days of the week, right? Whereas so many communities, the pressures of your children's schedule and and or your work schedule means that Shabbat is the only outlet where you really can actually Correct. have a long meal with your kids, or you have to run home for the holidays to be able to do it. The spirit in the air is like crazy for Shavuot right now. They already have the sales on all the milk products for all the cheesecakes, and the signs are up, and people Ooh, are talking about all the Vatican minions and walking to the old city so you can be there for sunrise. It's like this. Uh, yeah, we were, I mean, by the way, audience, we're recording this early so we are in fact we're sitting here Erev Yom Yerushalayim tonight is Yom Yerushalayim here in Yerushalayim and uh the anticipation for that is also unbelievable flags everywhere it's this, it's, it's really is um it, it you feel you feel that atmosphere right. and 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 that those are intangible things that definitely make it easier to be here and trust me it again it is it is challenging at times but we can't discount those struggles and those professional frustrations that people had when they were raising their families here and that's why I'm not going to say what Yigal Siegel said Yigal Siegel said it's easier to come when you're young and single in your 20s and 30s it is true that that is true it's sometimes easier for people to come at different ages but no, 100%. But, but but the reality is starting up your life then you don't have those pressures oh what am i going to do like, 
like this and look, to earn the bottom earn, line is mark there's no there's no uh, there's no one equation for that uh, this family fits into this uh, profile this family every family is different everyone has their own dynamic but there's one thing that you brought up which is extremely important that people have to realize and we've mentioned it before but tuition and health insurance are two major expenses for american families which are not which are not as dramatic for us here in Israel, and just the bottom it's line. Not free. It's, it's not free. It's a misconception that we have free health care here and free schools. Right. It's not free. But I do pay about $70 for my, my son's semi-private Jewish education a month. Right. And it's, it's, uh, and that, by the way, if you would include chugim and, and other things that are going on after school, because school ends earlier here maybe than the States, which is not as true as it used to be. There's no question there's a dramatic, dramatic difference. And just all these things combined, everything we're talking about um, is something that, that has to be part of the conscience of, of, of North American uh, Jews, just in terms of what they want for their families and what they want for themselves. A Jewish life, as you put it very, very well, seven days a week. I mean, there's no question that we live Judaism here seven days a week, and it's something which it, it makes a major impact on, on children, and, and we're worried about what's going to happen with the next generation. Everyone is always worried about that. Every parent is worried about that. But, you know, when we started this conversation about singles, I think that uh, there's no question that Birthright and other programs like this that have introduced Israel to Jews of all walks of life, not just religious, but uh, every type of Jew that, is, that exists has made that impact in terms of showing how Israel is a viable place to live, not just because you're Zionistic and not just because you, uh, you, know, you want to change in life, <laughs> but uh, this is the, the feeling of a homeland. Uh, and a connection to something is so important that people feel it during those types of uh, experiences. I don't think you're going to lose your job, by the way. Put, please put a good word in for me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so if uh, Rabbi Fass is listening to this conversation, um, he's a good guy, this Rosenberg guy. <laughs> I, 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 let me say something. It is remarkable. I think it's remarkable when you think about um, this is something that we, we, we have the privilege of working 24 hours a day for uh, and helping people um, come home to Israel. And I think that Rabbi Fass is, um, has been Yomam Valila, um, or as I, I guess today's a pitch from Malcolm Gladwell, spent more than 10,000 hours mm-hmm. thinking about how to make this, you know, this idea oh, of no Aliyah um, really, hap- really happen. And for, by the way, that com- the commencement address that he made, I believe, is available on YouTube to be it watched. It is. And it's worth it for people to take take a take a few minutes to watch this because if you haven't had the opportunity to hear Rabbi Fast speak about Aliyah and speak about Israel, um, he has been on my brother's programs many many times, and you can look in the archives at nachmasigel.com and look for Rabbi Fast's name. Uh, the inspiration that you get just from hearing him for a few minutes is is definitely worth the few minutes of listening to him. And the commencement address at, at Yeshiva University in, in uh, May 2013 was was a very very good example of of, of the impact that uh, Aliyah can make and, and, and the impact that he can make in, in listening to him. So I think it's worthwhile to look for that. Mark Rosenberg, thank you. Director of uh, Pre-Aliyah here at Nefesh Benefesh. Mark can be reached at mark, M-A-R-C, at nbn.org.il. Any questions about Pre-Aliyah, any questions about all the books that he mentioned here that he's been reading? He's a very studious young man, and he's a good friend, and he's uh, definitely someone who uh, is is a major, major part of the success of Nefesh Benefesh and the, the ability of people like our listeners in North America, to make the big move to Israel. And we thank you and your staff for all the good work that you do. We do it for Am Yisrael, so have a great day. <laughs> okay, have a great day, Mark. This is Egal Siegel for Homeward Bound, and we'll be back right after this message. If you've always dreamt of moving to Israel and establishing a brand new life in the Holy Land, it's time to call Nefesh Benefesh, 866-4-ALIYAH, 866, the number 4 
A-L-I-Y-A-H. Or log on now to their comprehensive website for all the assistance you need to get to Israel. NBN.org.il. That's the Nefesh Benefesh website. Head there now. NBN.org.il. But all my words come back to me, this life of mediocrity. Like emptiness in harmony, I need Hashem to comfort me. Homeward bound. I wish I was homeward bound. Yes. We wish that everyone would be homeward bound. And that's what this show is all about here in the Nachum Siegel Network. My name is Egal Siegel. I thank all our guests for being with us this, uh, for this edition of Homeward Bound. Any information about uh, Nefesh Benefesh is at nbn.org.il. And thank you so much for listening.